Hey, Rockheads, it's that time of year again to come up with a good excuse to join me and Richard at NDC London. Fortunately, all you have to do is tell your boss the truth. You want to learn about the latest technology and hobnob with the likes of Scott Hanselman, Lily Dart, Eric Meyer, Scott Allen, John Skeet, Jesse Sternschuss, Troy Hunt, Damian Edwards, and many more. NDC London 2016 is a full-week event with pre-conference workshops on January 11th and 12th and the actual conference on January 13th through the 15th. So go to ndc-london.com right now, and we'll see you there. .NET Rocks, episode 1219, with guest Lino Tadros. Recorded Thursday, November 12th, 2015. Hey, guess what? It's time for .NET Rocks again. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. Lino's here. We'll be talking to him in just a bit about the state of mobile development. And uh, my friend, we just had a great week at the uh, at Dev Intersection in Angle Brackets. And then yes. after that, the MVP Summit, which most people don't realize were MVPs. And <laughs> we have a party every year and talk to our subsequent teams about stuff that's coming up. And we had a crazy MVP summit as usual. Uh, I don't want to walk past Dev Intersection either because uh, biggest show we've done yet. Congratulations. Thank you. It went, it went extremely well. We had a lot of fun. We're starting to widen the content tree, including more IT-related and operations-related topics. So that was exciting. You really got the bang for the buck up yeah, there. Yeah, and, up and there. just having the best experience as possible. I'm already immersed in spring content planning. So I'm working on uh, what we're going to do at the Swan Hotel in right connected to Disneyland in Orlando. That's going to be fun. And that's uh, April 18th to the 22nd. Even though it's Orlando, which I know you love. Your favorite city in the world, right? Uh, you know, it was worse when we were going there two, three times a year. Now yeah. that it's, you know, once a year, every other year, it aggravates me less. And hey, tomorrow's show is going to be a geek out. What are we talking about? Uh, you know, funny you should ask, because we're only <laughs> recording this a week before. We'll probably actually record the geek out itself on Saturday, which is a couple of days. And and during the break between shows, recordings today, I was looking at my notes again, and I'm really hung. I've written, you know what I wanted? I wanted an unoffensive subject, something yeah. that's just fun and geeky. It's like we've been doing some hardcore stuff lately. We have. I've been looking at next generation aircraft. Okay. Just the, all the innovations that are going on. Boeing's in the middle of a, a redesign of the 737. Like there's a bunch going on in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, also looking at what's been happening with the Large Hadron Collider. Because they restarted it this spring. Mm -hmm. There's some new science coming out of it. You know, the original run was for the Higgs boson. Right. They've sort of proven that. Now they want to, they've raised the power levels again. They want to start looking for some of these, what they call ultra heavy objects, trying to prove in the standard model this concept of supersymmetry. Yeah. All right. Well, you'll have to tune in tomorrow to check that out. But You'll uh, find out. But just yeah. so you know... We hadn't decided yet. No, we hadn't. <laughs> if you get a hint that I get excited about this stuff, I yes, I do. Yes, you do. Yes, and I, I have do. something geeky for all y'all. Roll the music. Awesome. <laughs> all right, buddy, what do you got? Well, it turns out NASA is looking for a programmer. Oh. But not just any programmer. Hmm. They want a programmer fluent in 60-year-old languages to work on Voyager. Oh, no. Tinyurl.com slash VoyagerDev. After decades of the Voyager program, NASA engineer Larry Zottarelli is retiring. That means there's a job opening at the Story Jet Propulsion Laboratory, but it won't be the right fit for just any engineer. 
Applicants should have a can-do attitude, good communication skills, and extensive knowledge of 60-year-old programming languages. <laughs> like Fortran and COBOL, which were created in the 50s. No C, Java, or Python. No, no siree. Wow. We're talking about COBOL and Fortran and assembly language, too. Yeah. Yeah. So the core software running on the Voyager probes was last overhauled in 1990, shortly after the Neptune flyby, and there was a number of looping protocols that lets the spacecraft operate more or less autonomously. But that's uh, going to take some serious assembly language programming. Lino, you interested in that? I'm sorry, I'll be with you in a second. I'm just putting up my application right now. I'm brushing up on my Fortran, but I'll be with you in a second. So that's what I got. So any Fortran and COBOL programmers out there, check it out. And, yeah. you know, I'm quite serious. There might be some of you who might want to take this up. Well, there's a big conversation going on about whether or not Voyager's actually exited the solar system, that it's it's crossed through what they call the heliopause, the right. point at which solar pressure is no longer pushing outward. It's actually on the other side of that. Right. And it's not easy to figure that out. Yeah. Well, that's what I got. That is really very cool. It's a little bit too modern for me, guys. If it was punch cards, I'm there. But this You're is all in. <laughs> the, it, it, the problem is the 12 billion mile trip to deliver the punch cards. Uh. <laughs> bring it back. Yep. And bring it, if you, while, and while you're out there, could you clean off the sides a bit? This is a bit grubby. It's a, d- a little dusty. Give it a wash. Well, apparently the only way they still communicate with Voyager, I mean, it's one of the furthest out objects they've ever made, is the very only the very largest dishes down in Australia can still reach it. It's so far away. The creator will be angry. Future. <laughs> oh, man. Is that a Star Trek 1 reference? That's a Star Trek 1 reference. Holy <laughs> mow. That's way back. <laughs> okay. Here. That's what I got, Richard. Who's talking to us today? What you got is giant geek cred, my friend. Well Thank done. you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, grabbed a comment off of show 1042, the one we did with one Lino Tadros, which was our last mobile update from him, mm-hmm. because I think we kind of count on Lino yeah. to keep us up to speed. You know, he's working on all the stacks right? and, uh, you know, sort of gives us a gauge of where that's at. Exactly. This comment comes from Carrie Street, who says, uh, around 23 minutes into the show, Carl asked about using standard interface definitions across platforms so that the methods to get GPS location, work with files, choose pictures, and other common scenarios will be the same regardless of the platform. This is exactly what the MVVM cross, remember MVVM cross? Yeah. PCL plugin model has four. They actually, the shorthand for it is MVX or mm-hmm. MVVM cross. The cross-platform MVX plugin functionality and the already existing NuGet packages for many common scenarios is one of the main features that is sometimes missed at first glance. Mm. I sometimes create my own reusable MVX plugin interfaces to hide differences in platform-specific Xamarin components that are all basically doing the same thing. Mm. When people compare MVVM cross to Xamarin.forms, they often overlook this very useful plugin functionality. That is why I hope that the guidance and examples on how to effectively use MVVM cross with Xamarin forms improves. There are open issues on these topics in the MVX GitHub repo, so I would encourage Carl or anyone else to help the community work on these reusable implementation things here. 
It may be time for another Stuart Lodge MVX update focusing on plug-in. Exactly what I was thinking. That's we it. We have not had Stuart on the whole show too long. And he does include some links to the GitHub project for MVVM Crash, which I will put into the show notes because it's a great thing to think about whether we're using Xamarin or not. There's a variety of ways with the PCL to get these features consolidated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carrie, awesome comment. Uh, I was actually going back and forth with a guy on Facebook today talking about how to get a mug and it's like you know how you get a mug you write awesome comments like this yep so carrie thank you so much for your comment the dotnet rocks mug is on its way to you and if you'd like a dotnet rocks mug write a comment on the website at dotnet rocks.com or via any of the social media we publish we put every show up on google plus and facebook if you comment there we read it on the show we'll send you a mug and of course you can reach us by twitter i'm at carl franklin he's at rich campbell and we love your tweets keep them coming and that brings us to Lino. Lino Tadros, or Alain, is his actual first name, is president and CEO of Falafel Software, a Silicon Valley-based company with presence in Colorado, Texas, Michigan, Florida, and North Carolina, dedicated to providing world-class consulting, training, and software development for small, medium, and enterprise-level businesses. Prior to founding Falafel, Lino was a member of the development team at Borland for Delphi and C++ Builder. Lino has been awarded Microsoft MVP status 12 years in a row, or maybe 13 13. 13. Got to update your bio every year. For his numerous contributions to the C-Sharp community and is an expert in .NET, Link, ASP.NET, MVC, XAML, Windows Phone, and Web Services. Lino is an industry-renowned speaker and has given numerous presentations on five different continents since 1994. He also currently sits on the board of directors of four Silicon Valley corporations. Welcome back, Lino. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You know, we first talked to you on the Tablet Show. Remember that show? I remember. Yeah, the Tablet Show. That This was sort of, if you go to thetabletshow.com, you can see a, a few years of shows that we did. These are all essentially .NET rock shows, but the topics were focused on tablets, mobile, mobile web, uh, native mobile, and it's a great story of how we got from build when Windows 8 was announced to where we are today. So, and and you were one of the first people that we had on that show, and we were talking about what do we do with all these stacks, and what are you using? Learn them all. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be picky. Do everything. Absolutely. No, I'm just kidding. Um, For the mobile stack, there's so much stuff now out there. It's really amazing. One of my guys at AppVNext is working on an app for the app store using I- Ionic, yeah. which is a Cordova kind of abstraction. Yeah. We and like it, Ionic. And we love it. Like yeah. It. yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, the templates and also the way it works and uh, its integration of Angular 2 and stuff. It looks really good. Mm. It looks really good. And actually, we're using it here at Falafel heavily as well. Are you doing a lot of the Cordova stuff now instead of uh, the the native um, direct coding? No, we're doing both. Actually, it's amazing. Our department for mobile here are split between uh, native and uh, and hybrid. So mm-hmm. uh, we're using both. It depends on the company, to be honest with you. A lot of people think it's based actually on the project, but it's not. It's based on the resources in your company. So when I go talk to C-level people and they say, we have very good C-sharp programmers in the company, and we're trying to do mobile, I always introduce them to Xamarin. But mm-hmm. if they say we have great amount of HTML and JavaScript people in the company, I always introduce them to Cordova or Ionic, and they would be very happy. Or um, if they have uh, Apple people and so on, we'll, we'll tell them maybe you want to go Objective-C or, uh, or Swift. 
And of course, Java companies for Android, they can do that as well. But sure. mainly for C Sharp and HTML and JavaScript, these are the two camps we usually go to, which is Xamarin, or we go to Cordova and, and Ionic and stuff like that. So the performance is good enough across all the stacks that that's just not a distinguishing feature? Uh, depends really honestly, Richard, about what they're doing. For instance, it, it, the difference between Objective-C and, uh, and Java and Xamarin for C++ is very minuscule. I mean, uh, you'd be happy with the, with the performance for all that. And again, anybody can write a Cordova app that performs extremely badly if they don't know what they're doing. But if you know what you're doing, you can make a Cordova app perform as well as a native app. Don't listen okay. to how Facebook did it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Well, that was the indictment that came out later, yeah. which says, well, clearly you guys didn't know how to use these tools because if you'd done it this, yeah. this, and this, you wouldn't have had these problems. The idea is that people sometimes look at the line and say, can can your platform execute things between the 250 milliseconds and the one second? And all of them can do that. But when it comes to between 100 milliseconds and 250 milliseconds, now people start scratching their head a little bit. It's like maybe native would do this better. But as a matter of fact, Cordova and Ionic can do this with no problem, with just some tweaks to your code. Very minimal, actually. Right. What happens if you want to go below the 100 millisecond? You want to do things in 17 milliseconds, like equivalent to 60 frames per second. Can Cordova actually keep up with that? And the answer, yes. If you know what you're doing, you can make the application perform in that level. Um remember, all these things are running in a web view. So web right. view have its own rules, right? So if you understand how to get around the, the web view rules and make things go much faster, like implementing your own touch uh, screen and touchdown instead of just a click or a touch, which will automatically uh, will cause web view to wait for like 300 milliseconds, waiting for maybe another click. <laughs> so if you don't want to wait for all that stuff, just write your own code and you can bypass all these things and make them very, very fast. We haven't really talked about Xamarin much on the show lately. And, you know, when, when Xamarin first came out, we all thought it was so amazing technology wise that that would be it. Like everybody would be using Xamarin. It hasn't really worked out that way. I mean, the ecosystem is very diverse and very rich. And there's a lot, it turns out there's a lot of native solutions. But, uh, we, we sort of thought that, you know, every C sharp developer who wants to do mobile stuff will, will go down that path. I guess that just, is it, is it, is it true? Or am I wrong about that? No, you're not wrong. Actually, it's an excellent technology, first of all, and it's an excellent company as well. We know a lot of people like you, Carl and Richard, you know some people there as well. They're yeah. great minds and great products, and we're very proud of them. I think uh, a lot of people also, when they take a look at what's available in the industry, I think the price is hurting them a little bit to get the masses, to be honest with you. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's always been an argument with, with the Xamarin product. It is. It's just, it it's is. a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but to be honest with you, the way I look at it, if I'm going to make a lot of money out of using their products, the least I can do is give them their share, right? right. Is that the old mentality, like when I used to work for Borland, we used to sell Delphi and C++ Builder for like $3,000, and people used to say like, oh my gosh, I can't pay that much money. These people are thieves, mm -hmm. but you are using that product to make a living, to make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. At least give the $3,000 to the people who did all the heavy lifting for yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? So I think that's the same thing with them, but I know that the price from talking to customers looking at uh, getting Xcode or getting Cordova with Visual Studio for free and Ionic and, right. and so on. Definitely it is an issue. Right. Well, I'm just pulling up the current prices and it's $300 a year for the Indie Kit, which I think used to be free. Yes. And that's yes. per platform. So for iOS and for Android, charge separately $300 each. But for the business version, which is the one that includes the studio integration, which I think is the big thing for most people... Mm. It's $1,000 a year per platform, hmm. per dev. And, you know, like Lino said, in the big picture of things, if you're making money with software, that's not such a bad idea. But relative to the other 
uh, technologies in the space, it's rather expensive. Well, let's, you know, you do the math. An MSDN subscription, a pro subscription is, I think, 1200 bucks a year. Mm-hmm. And you take, a, and you have a tool stack, mm-hmm. right? So you buy Telerik or you buy DevX. They're about 1200 bucks a year, too. Mm. And then $1,000 a year for each phone on top of that? Mm. Like, I think the optics are terrible. If I'm a CTO, it's like, I have to spend $2,400 a year on developers. But if I want to include iOS and Android, now it's $4,400 a mm. year. It, it is expensive for some companies. I mean, maybe this is something Xamarin can take a look at. Uh, I don't think it's ke- keeping them from growing. I think they are doing very well. So yeah, um, sure. definitely they're going the right way. Look at Apple. Apple is selling the stuff like uh, crazy for, uh, and no way they're going to lower their prices because it's no. selling. If it's selling, nobody's going to change anything. Yeah, nobody's going to so change great. anything. Yes. Well, the thing yeah. is there are more uh, options and there are more alternatives now yes. to Xamarin. Yeah, Have yeah. you seen that Xamarin bought a Java company? Yes, yes, I, uh, that happened about maybe three, four weeks ago or so. Something yeah, like we, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. Again, with the relationship with Oracle, with the relationship with Java, I mean, the company has to grow somewhere. Right. You know that better than anybody else. When you have companies that are investing in your company heavily, they want you to to be available uh, for everything, not to corner yourself under one, um, one vendor like Microsoft and so on. That's a requirement for people that are funding you right. to be able to grow so that if you want to go public or you're going to get bought, you have to make everything on the table table available for everybody right sure and robo vm which was the company they bought is like the xamarin for the java guys it was write java for both ios and android yeah I'm actually waiting really to for them to release the new uh, the new Xamarin for Fortran so I can actually get that job at NASA. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting to see where Xamarin's going. I mean, I I I I'm a big fan of of Miguel and Nat and and it's just been really a, an interesting watch cuz this mobile problem is huge, right? I mean, now the yeah. bulk of the web traffic is on a phone. Like, you have to get your company working well in a phone. Although, yes. we're dealing with this humanitarian toolbox. We're building everything for a phone. Really great web clients are still great. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Do you find, have you got customers that are, like, do you build them web apps for, or just web for the phone? Yes. Actually, we use the responsive design for some of them. Mm-hmm. And that works great for them. And some of them want to have built specific views for iPhones only or for Androids, for instance. So responsive design, as you know, has nothing to do with the manufacturer or the model sure. of the phone. Yeah. But some of them do want something very specific to the iPhone. So we do it both ways, depending on what they want. A responsive design for everybody on smartphones or specific to a specific phone if they want to as well. So how, are you detecting the user agent when you decide that? Yes. If you do that, you have to take a look at the user agent, find out what the model of the phone is. And then rerouted to a completely different design for the page for that specific phone. Well, I'm thinking of Kendo UI Mobile now. Yeah, we use it heavily, yeah. heavily for that. Yeah, yeah. And it, your customers don't mind that they you're you, you're faking them out by thinking it's a native app when it's really loading in a web browser. They don't seem to mind that disconnect. That's actually some part of the requirements. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's a requirement that it me it needs to look exactly like native. Huh. So we use Kendo UI for a lot of things uh, to make it look exactly like that. But sometimes you have to do some custom rendering to make it look exactly like an iPhone or a or an Android or something like that. But it's definitely doable. These things are available now hmm. to be able to make this happen. What's missing in a mobile app that we shouldn't just be doing the web all the time? Like, is it, is it just come down to the icon on the desk on the phone? 
for grandma, grandma is not going to be able to do that. They want something to click and open right away and do the rest. So for grandmas, maybe that's, maybe that's an essential thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Stackify. Our dev-centric friends at Stackify have been awarded PC Magazine's Editor's Choice for application performance management, stating the depth of application information provided by Stackify totally outshined the other products in this category. Because Stackify so successfully integrates errors, logs, and metrics into a core APM Plus tool, it's a must-have for .NET developers, which is why PC Magazine's Paul Farrell calls it one of the best infrastructure management services of 2015. Try Stackify now for free, and they'll ship you their coveted Developers Against Humanity card game. Just activate your account. Use the link bit.ly slash netrocks to build better apps faster and get your free game. Now, what's up with Xamarin Forms? I thought this was going to be a wonderful technology. It had a few bumps and things, and some people still use it, but uh, I'm hearing some pushback. What's going on? Ah, all right. I'll tell you my opinion. Okay, uh, probably I'm going to get a phone call after this from, <laughs> from my friends. Nobody loves you, Lino. Yes, Except love you're going to get <laughs> praised by the community for... Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, we are actually not huge fans of Xamarin Forms. It is very easy to use. It's actually a great promise and a great idea. I think so, but too. we are not there right now. Unfortunately, we tried to use it for a couple of customers, and unfortunately, we regretted that. Um, so we had to go back and redo it in something else. We love using the native of Xamarin, but for the Xamarin forms, I feel like it's still too early for that. I mean, I think like uh, like their article on the website finally came out and said it is actually encouraged to use Xamarin forms for prototyping and wireframes. I think that is the best way to describe it. But for production level stuff, you'll end up having to create custom renders for almost every single thing. So it might be even easier to do native. I was going to say, yeah, custom renderers, basically, what you get with Xamarin Forms out of the box looks just very, it looks like HTML 1.0, right? When we, or 0.9, when we used to just have websites that didn't look like anything, right? Yes, but I don't want you to drop it, uh, to drop the, the, the faith in the Xamarin forms. Right. I think it needs another two or three cycles, and I think Xamarin will get it right. Uh, yeah. Once it, it's functional to the point where people can use it for production, wow, it's going to save a lot of people a lot of time. It's a great promise and a great technology. But One of the things that you mentioned was custom renderers, and custom yeah. renderers are what I was getting at was, this is what you have to do in order to make anything sort of take advantage of the look and feel of the, of the native platform. Yes. And yeah, and and that turns out to be a lot of native work that you by the time you get into all that native work, you've learned a lot about the platform and you may as well not use uh, forms. Yeah, if you want to take control of your app fully, no matter what the customer is going to throw at you and you want to make do the application, do whatever you want it to do, mm. Xamarin Forms is not the way to go. You're going to hit the wall with it as it stands right now. Even when you do custom uh, renders, there are definitely problems uh, with it right now. Is there anything that you want to talk about in particular problem-wise? The formatting of uh, of lists and so on, no matter what we do in writing custom uh, renders, the formatting and wrapping around is very difficult to get right for Xamarin Forms. And that huh. actually doesn't make the application look very professional when you do something like that. So right. the amount of time it took us to actually get it right for Xamarin Forms would have been probably half the time if we did it directly in the Xamarin native uh, mm. and take full control of the written, written, writing of the app. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of stuff that our, our listeners need to know. 
Well, I've noticed that Xamarin forms. I mean, when you go check out the site, they have this ecosystem building up. DevExpress, Telerik, SyncFusion, like these guys are all building controls for Xamarin Forms. Yeah. I think that's what it's going to take, Lino, right? I mean, it's going to yeah. take a whole suite of custom controls that I can just drop in and then they do the magic rendering for me. Yeah, these are two great companies, Telerik and DevExpress. They are buying into this, which is great. That will elevate the level of the framework as well in the future. I know Telerik has the data form, which is an extremely well-written control for Xamarin Forms. But like I said, if they are building on something that needs a little bit more kick in the next couple of releases, hopefully, mm. and I think uh, it will be ready for production work. But again, with all due respect, my personal opinion, and today I cannot use Xamarin Forms for production work that I'm charging for for customers. Well, that's good to know. Well, it's still a V1 or V2 product, right? Maybe another version and we'll be there. I believe in it. I think it will get there and we will, we will use it again. But for right now, I just can't do it. But um, I think the promise is great. It will make it much, much easier, the barrier of entry, to be able to do that. I totally agree, Leo. I think it's a great idea and a great execution so far. And I think of you, Carl, sometimes because you're coming from the background of XAML, this should be home for you. Oh, I mean, yeah. This you don't learn anything new. If you are coming from Silverlight or WPF, using Xamarin Forms is a piece of cake. Yep. And you should be within like a day ready to go and produce whatever you want. But I don't know about your experience, Carl, working with Xamarin Forms. Did you feel the same way I'm feeling regarding there is something missing there and the framework is not there yet? Yeah, um, pretty much. Uh, what I found was in order to teach it, I you know had to first learn all the, all the little plumbing gotchas, which were had really more to do with individual platforms, I think, than than Xamarin Forms. You'd have to deal with those little gotchas even if you're using Xamarin Native. I mean, now you're writing for three platforms in at once, essentially, yeah. and you have all the quirks and tweakiness of each platform to deal with. And, but I also found that, uh, and I never got into custom renderers because I never had to just to sort of teach a, a one day seminar. This is how we get up, you know, a, a basic functionality app up and running. But yes, I, I totally, this is where we ended our, our day. And when we, when I did this seminar at the end of the day, no matter what, you know, the, it got to how can I make this look real, you know? How do I get around these limitations? And custom renderers is always the way. So yeah, I'm I'm totally with you, Lino. And I hope and I and I think it'll happen that between Xamarin's support of it, continued support of it, and the uh, to, you know companies like Infragistics and DevExpress and Telerik and all these guys coming out with controls for it, I think between all of that stuff, it'll work someday. I agree. I agree, boss. Yeah. Well, Richard. Yeah, buddy. You know what time it is? It uh, must be that happy time again. Yep. Time to sell my MacBook Pro. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're done? <laughs> I'm kidding, man. I'm kidding. Yeah, I, I bought the MacBook Pro to, uh, so that I could do Xamarin development. <laughs> <laughs> That's not right. I know. It's kind of funny, though. It is funny. It's actually time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, hey, do you know Swift, Objective-C, and Java? Lino, I'm talking to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Can you use them in tools like Xcode and Android Studio? If so, awesome. For everyone else, there's NativeScript, a cross-platform framework for building native iOS and Android apps using skills you already have, JavaScript or TypeScript, CSS and XAML-like XML markup, and start building your dream native mobile apps today. Use the NativeScript CLI for free 
or use NativeScript in Visual Studio with a Telerik platform subscription, which enables you to build iOS apps without the glowing Apple. Get started for free at Telerik.com slash NativeScript. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Scott Vaberchak. Ah, gracious. Scott. Golf clap for you. Yay. 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 And <laughs> Scott, we're a little punchy. It's the third show of the day. Uh, Scott just won the Telerik DevCraft collection. It's a big pile of awesome from our friends at Telerik. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. Every show, we like to give away great stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we like to give away, and we do, a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you got to sign up to win. And Lino, it's your turn. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology today... What would you buy? I'll quit taking the money and run, man. Why <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be a MacBook Pro, I tell you that. <laughs> I'll use the first $100 to buy your MacBook Pro, Carl. $5,000. Well, I'm going to actually, I turned uh, my home heavily into an IoT home with all the Nest and all the, the Nest cameras and the ring bells and um, this uh, double. It's called the double now, or you can actually mm-hmm. move it around the house and uh, look like as if you were there. Yeah. <laughs> right. I would actually spend the $5,000 on, uh, on IoTing my house. Great. You're going to IoT the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> like it comes out of a spray can, you squirt on everything. Psst. Yeah. You got IoT all over the place, man. Clean that yeah. up. Hey, you know, I was talking about native script there in the ad spot, but what about native script? Have you taken this for a ride? I did take it for a ride last year. I know it went a lot further in the last year as well. I know the people that are working on it in Telerik itself, uh, over there in Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. Very, very smart people. And I definitely wish them the, the best with native script. I just, uh, I always talk to them about, I don't know if the industry is is really capable of taking another language for that kind of stuff but hopefully they will do a good uh, job with it and a good marketing job with it and they will find a place but i find a lot of push for people to actually instead of using javascript directly or even typescript coming from microsoft Mm. and so on even though it's going to be native that's fine um but i I, i'm wishing them the best to be able to penetrate that market creating a new language is not an easy thing to do, especially if you're not Microsoft or Google or Apple or something like that. So we wish them the best with it. Well, now you say creating a new language. You're really talking about their XML markup, right? Yeah. Because they're using JavaScript. Yeah, they're spitting out the the JavaScript, I understand. But, I mean, the the native script is considered to be really a new way of doing things for native and JavaScript. Mm. Um, So so some people will look at it and say, like, well, I can do that with TypeScript. It's coming from Microsoft. It spits out JavaScript as well. So the competition is going to be heavy, and you're going to have to have a very strong message why it is the best thing since sliced bread to use native script and other things. So um, it's definitely going to be a a fight, and I definitely wish them the absolute best for it. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens, too. I I like the idea of using TypeScript because, um, you know, when we finally get ECMA 7, and TypeScript, I believe those two in combination will be quite amazing and uh, quite close to C sharp, actually. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think agree. that we're we're sort of headed in the right direction. I think. Yeah, and Telerik doesn't have Anders Helsberg either. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's 
that's magic sauce there. But I think, I mean, it's basically JavaScript you're working on for native script. Sure. And if I had those skills, you know, I'm pretty happy with all of the Cordova variants, you know, pick your, your poison there, take this skill and apply it that way. Yeah. I don't know that the nativeness, you know, this is what we started the conversation off with. Does it give us an advantage that's significant? Uh, I'll wait and see. Yep. I mean, I, I don't know if that's going to fly, but I'll wait and see. I will not give an opinion really about it. I mean, it's still pretty new, even yep. though it has been out for more than a year now. And we've been playing uh, with it for uh, for the last year. But I, I'm, I'm in a waiting, uh, wait and see kind of mode on NatoScript. Hmm. All right. Can we jump back to the uh, Cordova approach to Ionix and the like? Yeah. Um, what's the actual dev patterns you're using? Is this always going to be Angular? Is that really the way, or are there other choices? For Ionic, it's going to be Angular, yes. But right. for Cordova, it's, it doesn't have to be. It could be anything at all. You can use Gendo UI. You can be Knockout. You can do whatever you want. It will sure. work. You can even, some people are using it with React right now, and it's still mm -hmm. uh, doing great. So the, the only thing is that I recommend using the new IDE that just came out uh, for Cordova. It's excellent. It's called CMD. If you type it in, a command line comes up. That's mm -hmm. great. That's the way you should develop <laughs> with Cordova. Really? Right now. Yes, uh, Visual Studio 2005. All my uh, lovely friends over there uh, using Cordova from inside of 2015 Visual Studio. It's a real pain. It's great for us. It's great for us actually at Falafel because we charge per hour. So it works great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. He's a couple of cycles to clean it up. It's not in good shape right now. I mean, it's, it is a 1.0 product in, in Studio 15, the Cordova extensions for Visual Studio. So just too rough? It is, it is rough, yes. If we have to pretty much shut down the Visual Studio almost every 15 minutes of development, delete the SEUO files manually, restart Jeez. and pray and uh, like kill a couple of donkeys and hope for the best. But usually <laughs> it doesn't come back. But I would have gone uh, with chickens, but okay, donkeys. Uh, hey, the road to hell is paved with <laughs> dead donkeys, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Oh. <laughs> oh, no, no. Chickens is the build script. I only need chickens for the build script. But yeah. If you're going to make Cordova work in studio, yeah. donkeys. We use chicken for native, but donkeys for hybrid. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, I mean, no, you're not really talking command line. Like, what's your favorite tooling for building Cordova? I actually, I use pretty much literally Ionic, and I use the command line for Ionic. There is a couple of commands that you can give it, and it will start everything for you, the servers, the everything. Okay. And I got used to it. Uh, when I tried to use Ionic from a sort of Visual Studio, because it's built on the Cordova stuff, it hangs the IDE significantly every time. So we mm -hmm. don't have time for this. So we try to actually tell it. You know what I use? Actually, it works very well with Ionic and with Cordova. You're not going to believe this. VS Code. VS of course Code you do. It's just going to suggest yeah. that. Yeah. It, it works way better, and it actually does exactly what I'm expecting to do, and it's not in my way. So it's an editor. Yeah, I'm sure this will happen also with Visual Studio in the next updates. They will clean it up. I know this is a 1.0 for the new IDE, but mm -hmm. VS Code works with the Ionic and Cordova, no problem. It works great. It's just that Visual Studio doesn't like us very much right now when we work with that technology. Well, we had this conversation a week or so ago. We were talking to Mr. Breen about... What's great about Visual Studio Code is it just lets you edit the file. You know, you go into Studio, it's a project, right? Like there's, there's a lot more ceremony there, which, you know, that used to be really important. But in this model today, it's not as important. 
Yeah, I mean, Visual Studio is used to loading the world for you if you want to even touch a CSS file, you know. And it's exactly like going getting a glass of milk to from Safeway and taking a Jumbo Jet 747 to go get it. So sometimes Wait, don't, don't you do that? Sometimes. <laughs> He's more of a Gulfstream guy, but yeah. <laughs> it's like taking a Lamborghini to get milk. Who would, Who do, would that? do that? <laughs> oh, Lino. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> That's what you get for being our friend, my friend. There you oh. go. We know all the secrets. He used to get his milk in a Ferrari, but yeah. ooh, it's Lamborghini now. Oh, man. Yeah. All that money doesn't even have a cup holder. Can you believe it? Yeah. So, you can buy milk. You just know where we put it. If you want a cup holder, that's an extra $40,000. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And what they do with that $40,000 is buy you a Civic with a cup holder and then cut it in <laughs> Cup holder with a Civic around it. You can buy a cup holder, get a free Civic. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right. I like this dev stack. Visual Studio Code, Ionic Framework. Like, yeah. Yeah, it works pretty well. I like Ionic with the Angular 2.0 and all that. It works pretty well, and it's very easy to run these services and service for Ionic as well really quickly, and uh, it behaves very well, and it's easy to develop. I like it. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be free for a long time, though. <laughs> hmm. It's currently free, but I don't think once Angular 2.0 goes out, Ionic is going to be free anymore. That's my hun hunch here, but we'll see. What else do you see people using out there? Well, uh, for mobile, between the Objective-C, Swift, and Java, Xamarin, um, Cordova, Ionic, Responsive Design, these are all the things that our people are using. And like I said, it's all based on the resources that you have, and instead of getting brand new people into your company to work on something that nobody knows about, so mm. you have uh, an in on any technology where you have resources for it, you can actually be successful with mobile. So it doesn't have to be done in one or the other. All right. Any anti-patterns you see being made? Mistakes? Uh, yeah, a lot of people are still trying to to uh, to uh, create their own um, entity framework. So instead of yeah. actually using, like you said, MVVM or uh, creating something that has been proven to work, I see companies are trying to build their own middle tier for mobile and, and their own uh, format going back and forth, which is really is 2015. Do people need to do all the stuff again? Mm. So we try to stay with the standard things that have been proven to work, whether it's web services, JSON coming back, or entity framework, for instance, if you're using the Microsoft stack for that kind of stuff with SQL Server. But I, I don't like it when people actually spend half of their project spending time and money on things that have already been proven, as right. like uh, like you mentioned before, uh, MVVM Lite or MVX, for instance, or something like that. If these have proven to work, uh, and you've seen people have used them in, in successful projects in production, I, I wouldn't reinvent the wheel for that. Concentrate on what you're trying to accomplish, not right. on the plumbing. Yeah, they just work. Use them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're if you're spending time in the plumbing, you're you're missing out on something important. I agree, totally. And there's so much to do. It's not like there's any lack of things to do, <laughs> right? <laughs> I agree. Yeah, you know, people fall into that trap of doing what's most comfortable to them. You know, instead of uh, you know doing a new feature or something like that. Well, I can bide my time here doing a new data layer. There you go. Yeah, that's what I need. I'm gonna go. Yeah, what happens when you're comfortable reinventing the wheel? Yeah, that's all you do. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Don't be comfortable with that. That's not a good thing. Pretty to be soon you're with. applying for a job at NASA. No. <laughs> <laughs> and buying a MacBook Pro from Carl. That's, That's right. 
That was a dark place. Oh, well. <laughs> Are you using MVVM Cross? Is that something on your radar when you're building these things? No, I'm a wrong guy. I'm using the MVVM Lite. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't argue with that either. MVVM yep. Lite is great. I think they're both great, but uh, we just uh, want to support our friends. So there you go. I know Laurent, so we use it. And it works great for all our projects, so it's great. Yeah. MVVM Cross was one of those things that was sort of the precursor to Xamarin Forms. You know, they they sort of were evolving at the same time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we really got to get Stuart back on to see what he's up to. i totally with you because I'm just looking at the project. There's a ton of work gone in lately. So clearly somebody's up to something in the MVVM Cross world. And you say you you do hybrid stuff, you do Xamarin stuff. Do you do um, you know Objective C and Xcode and good old fashioned Java? Just to yeah, we used to we used to remember Eventboard. Our product is written in Objective C and Java. Mm-hmm. Used to, mm-hmm. and for customers like in the last four years, they have asked for that. But honestly, in the last year, they have not been really picky. They have not made a demand that we have to use Objective C or anything like that. They just right. want a good performance. So if they leave it up to us, I will probably will not go that route. I will use Xamarin or I will use Ionic, depending uh, on giving the pros and cons and let them choose. But we usually don't get, I mean, I'll say once this year we had an Objective C project, but the rest were all Xamarin and Cordova and Ionic. Now, that being said, when you build hybrid, you still have to do rebuilds for new versions of OSs. And I'm looking at you, iOS 9. <laughs> Yes, yes, you, you, you need to do that, yes. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing about maintaining mobile apps, even with the hybrid solution, is every time one of these OSs revs, at the minimum, you've got to open your project, recompile, and send it off to the store again. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to. I mean, it can continue running the way it is right now, but it is definitely recommended if you want to take advantage of anything in the new operating system, yes. Well, our experience with our Xamarin apps for .NET Rocks is iOS NAN came out, and the app just won't even start. It's toast. Wow. They must have been using something in the API that they were not supposed to. But uh, Yeah, you, I guess. You know, maybe it's the design. But uh, it's certainly been our experience that when there's a major OS update and, and Apple does it the most and people are basically forced to switch to it, you need to redeploy. Also, Apple is good at sending you messages saying, by the way, the app that you submitted and been approved like last year, you need to recompile it by December 15th because as of December 15th, we will not accept this application anymore because it's using this or that. So at least Apple is proactive about it, telling you that, by the way, this app is not going to work very well in the iOS 9.2 in the future, something like that. So I like that. So it gives you a heads up that you need to recompile. I was just uh, looking at the latest Tiobe index or T-I-O-B-E. I'm not sure how you say that, but this is the index of uh, developer languages, programming languages, and in how many people are using them. And Java's in, in the number one spot. Isn't that interesting? It was number That's two actually- in 2014. This year, it's number one. C sharp is number four. C is number two. C++ is number three. So it's interesting how how that's working out. That's very interesting for me. You know that I talk to a lot of customers based on being ahead of a consulting company and from talking to Microsoft as well and from other people at Google here, I'm not sure really that Java is the number one. I don't know how they created that, but in my opinion, C and C++ are still the number one languages being used in every major enterprise in the world. Uh, Hmm. So uh, with uh, we love C Sharp. We have been using it for over, what, uh, 15, 16 years now, and it's all great. What are Uh, enterprises writing in C? 
Yeah, I mean, look at, for instance, Adobe. Adobe, everything is in C and C++ and using Microsoft Visual C++ to do it. Well, so I, I understand that. And all that. But these, I'm talking about the major applications that oh, okay. require speed and, and painting really fast and doing all that kind of stuff and, and embedded systems. They end up using C and C++. Hmm. I mean, you can't blame them for that, definitely. No, 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 no. I'm just I was just wondering what, what type, I mean, is business software getting written in C? It doesn't seem likely. I think for, for performance that need to, to be the highest level possible, like something like Photoshop, for instance, or Wall Street application, I know a lot of them are written in C and C++ as well. Uh, they mm -hmm. do use C Sharp for some things, but the core pieces are written in C++. And uh, look at gaming, for instance. In gaming, it's a huge industry, well, but true. the majority of it is written in C and C++ because of the speed. Um, yeah. Makes a big difference. Yeah, and I can see it in gaming, and I can see it in Photoshop, and image processing, yeah. and video editing. Um, but you know, operating systems, yeah, and yeah. operating systems. But, uh, you know, as for the business software, we all know and love that we've been writing for years and years. It, it, I just don't uh, have a hard time believing that's being used for that. Yeah. No, I, I think if you write your code in C sharp, for instance, in the business layers and you correct it, well, nobody will know the difference to be honest with you, but, Probably. uh, doctors and MRI systems and life and death situation. Right. A lot of these hospitals require that everything uses the absolute C++ or even assembly in some of these core modules that they write to make it the fastest way possible. Because when your doctor's diagnosing a disease for you, you really want to rely on memory leaks to ah. make that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I agree. I don't want my doctor to look at the screen and say, like, sir, you have hourglass, yeah. hourglass. <laughs> <laughs> you have a blue screen of death. Yeah. Oh, buffer overrun. What is that? What kind of what kind of condition is that, Doc? Yeah, take two Advils, your buffer would be get much better. I mean, I don't want to smash on managed environments too much because they actually make more reliable software. Yeah. Yes. It's really hard to make a very reliable piece of C++ code. And we've all encountered crappy C++ code. Just go look at most video drivers. Yeah, we've we've encountered crappy every kind of code yeah it's just you know just because it's fast doesn't mean it's good no i agree and and it needs to be really done in such a way very modularized so that when there is a problem you know exactly where to go but most of the code that we go debug for c and c plus plus is pretty much like a, a total salad all over the place millions of lines of code and hundreds of thousands of files so it's uh, for us it's great like i said we charge per hour so we don't do <laughs> hang, on, hang on i'm i'm registering codesalad.com nice <laughs> can we talk a little bit about testing in the in the the mobile app world what do you guys do we, we we use several things. Uh, first of all, for Xamarin, they have the uh, the test uh, cloud that they have that they yeah. bought a couple of years ago. That's an excellent system, and they actually lowered the price on it as well. And they gave a free uh, instance of it for people that actually get and buy licenses for the product. And I think it's going to be the masses. It was pretty expensive. That's why only the elite of the companies will use it. But now that right. they lowered it, more companies will be doing the testing. And I think it's great. Once they bought that company a few years ago, uh, being able to test on so many different devices that you don't have to buy yourself, especially for Android. You know this better than me, folks. The amount of Android shapes and sizes available in the world is just painful to it's test on. It's unbelievable. So, right. so having something like Xamarin Cloud is great. Um, there's companies also like uh, SmartBear in Boston that they have their own uh, testing uh, suite for test complete for uh, for Android and for iOS works pretty well as well. It's object based. It works very well. Um, there are a lot of different open source testing uh, frameworks out there as well for not only for functional testing and unit testing. You can do both in them. But uh, I think as far as production level, uh, the Xamarin stuff for the native and also the test complete for um, 
for uh, for application written in Xamarin or written in Objective C or Swift or Java, it does for all of them. It does a pretty good job. Crap, Code Salad is taken. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> are you surprised? Maybe codeslaw.com. I get that one. <laughs> codeslaw. <laughs> Let me look that one up. <laughs> we haven't talked about m- tablets at all, and I don't atta- I don't equate tablets and mobile near as much these days because I just don't think tablets are used in a mobile way near as much. But are you getting projects for people who specifically want tablets in their enterprise? Yes, not as much as you might think. Most yeah. of them are smartphones that they want it to be done on the smartphones. But once in a while, we'll get somebody that want to do something very specific on the uh, on the iPad Airs and the uh, and the Galaxies for Android as well, because right. their application is based maybe in a, it's a Wall Street thing or it's a hospital thing, and they need this size to be able to get people to sign on them or to do something on them uh, that the phone will not uh, be very, very useful for older people, for instance, to be able to uh, to sign or see what's going on. So they need on. that 10-inch screen. Yeah, you yeah. do. Right. Yeah. So that, that's that's the only place it's showing up. And is it really mobile or is it sort of certain locations kind of thing? Yeah, it's a piece of the main application that they just want to expose to the iPad. So right. if, let's say we have like 100 features in the main app. They want maybe like 15 to 20 features that are available on the iPad um, just to get their job easier on a, in a hospital, on the Wall Street, or some of these companies mm-hmm. do it this way. Any thoughts on the iPad Pro? Yeah, I, I like the size. 12.9, I think, the, the size is. I like that very much. Uh, I just got an email from uh, from Apple today saying it's available as of today for sale in the in the store. So we'll go take a look at it. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think they are very worried about uh, the new Surface Book coming up. I might eat the lunch of a lot of these devices going forward. So we'll see what happens. It's kind of an interesting time when Apple copies Microsoft, not the other way yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the iPad Pro with its keyboard looks very surfacey. Yeah. yeah, it does. It does. If you remember, guys, I mean, God bless uh, Steve Jobs. Uh, uh, he, there was a time when he said, if you ever see us have, creating a pencil or a pen for our iPads, we've done something wrong. You remember that? Yep. I do. Yep. And look what they've done now. They've done apparently a pen. they're making a billion dollars doing something wrong. Yes. <laughs> you know, how can you tell somebody doing something wrong when they're making so much money? So I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if you feel the same way I'm feeling. It's not the same Apple of uh, Steve Jobs' days. I think there is definitely a dec- decline in, in innovation a little bit. That's what happens uh, when you remove the tyrant, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know that, you know, he also didn't like the Mini, and they sold a bucket load of those Minis, and he didn't like the bigger screens, and they're selling a ton of those. Yeah, yeah. They have a certain amount of brand magic, you know? Anything that they come out with, they'll sell a ton of. Yeah. Yeah, the question is, is it actually better? But and I'm I'm not sure. I'm also really interested in the i the Apple IBM relationship, like trying because clearly Apple doesn't have an enterprise mindset, and IBM clearly does. So can somebody figure out how to work together well enough to bring their products into the enterprise? I I just don't know the answer to that. It's very dangerous that relationship to Microsoft, to be honest with. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Like if, it, if anybody's going to make a shot into the enterprise, it's going to be IBM. It's just that they don't really have products, right? They're just a services yep. company now. Yep. So I I don't know the answer there. I do. Ha- Did you get a Surface Book? Because I got one of their first round. I order it, and they said it's going to deliver in four to five weeks. That ended last week, and I still don't have it. So there you go. I'm waiting for mine to be delivered. So I ordered mine while the keynote was still running. <laughs> so I didn't find out till after I finished my order that the screen came off. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, I got it. And uh, three firmware updates later, it's pretty good. 
All right. That's what I heard from the forums. There's a lot of people saying there is something wrong with it and so on. But once they install the uh, the firmware updates, everything is working fine. But did you hear the same thing about all the problems with the first releases? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're going to buy the first generation of anything, be get prepared. ready to be the guinea pig. Yes, absolutely. Right? Have you yeah. had problems with yours, Richard? I, you know what? I got by Because I was out of town when it arrived, mm-hmm. I picked it up just before the MVP summit. The first time I used it, it immediately installed all the firmware updates. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I never had a chance to really be unhappy. And in the end, I was deeply motivated by tormenting other MVPs. <laughs> <laughs> and Microsofties. They're all like, and my, Yeah, every I'd time like we were sitting in a room at Microsoft, Microsoft people would stop and go, is that, could I? And I'd just take the screen <laughs> off and hand it to them. And awesome. the screen is lighter than my iPad Air. It's disturbingly light. It is. It, it, after a while, I'm like, I got to stop handing the screen to people because if somebody drops it, it will be broken. It's, it's made out of unobtainium. <laughs> I love that. Let me write this down one second. This whole tablet phone balancing is something's really interesting. When you've got phones coming in at six, six and a half inches, like they're pretty much tablets anyway. Do you use them differently as opposed to the ten inch tablet? I'm sure there will be different ways that you can use them. That's I I do have to agree with that. It's not the same. Well, and I look at the new Sam, the latest Samsung Note. Yeah. And just, boy, that is basically a tablet, right? Like It is. It's a huge phone. It reminds me, I feel like Michael Douglas when I use that. <laughs> 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 uh, what's the latest one? Is it now? The, they're up to the four? Good Lord. They're up to the Samsung Note 4. Wow. And it's, yeah, it's massive. It's seven inches. It's, it's gigantic. <laughs> this isn't a phone. <laughs> this is the only phone so big. That if you put it up to your head, you'll actually look dorkier than if you used a Bluetooth headset. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you sort of have a choice. Do I wear do I wear a Bluetooth headset and everybody thinks I'm schizophrenic? Or do I put this giant plate to my face? <laughs> I'm waiting for the strap. You know, the band, the headband. <laughs> Just strap a tablet to your face. Stick it to your head. Or or the or the uh, cups, you know, so it looks like a telephone, like an old school telephone. Oh, hey, man. Lino, what's in your inbox? What's next for you? What are you working on, man? Uh, I thought you meant the Outlook inbox because it says 73,418 email. <laughs> <laughs> That's just during the show. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and they're all from well, Lamborghini. They're all from Lamborghini. <laughs> Where'd you go? We miss you. <laughs> Come back. Come back, yeah. Oh, no, what's, in, what's in my inbox? Well, we have made a major investment here at Falafel uh, in the IoT, and we're going to start manufacturing new devices actually next year, beginning of uh, January here. So we're very excited. It's a brand new thing for us, but the team is very excited. Uh, we finished actually uh, all the designs and working on the software right now, and we just filed for the patents actually on the, on the devices and the software. So we're very, very excited. And I'm looking forward to come on your show in the next couple of months and talk to you about the, the new company we're creating here at Falafel for IoT devices that would be a consumer product. That would be fun for us. That's produce. fantastic. Yeah, we can't wait to hear about it. It'll be yeah. awesome. Well, Lino, we'll catch up to you some other time. And thanks for spending an hour with us. It's been great. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much, you guys. You bet. All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.
Net Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Transmit a band by the FCC.